it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm of course your co-host Shri, and do check my daughter and singer-songwriter Ria Raj's music at www.riaraj.com. That's www.rhearaj.com. And today I'm joined by my co-host and partnership acceleration lead at Flywheel Digital, who, as we speak, is getting ready to buy all kinds of things for his house at the big Prime Day promotional event that's coming up shortly. Peter, thanks for joining us, man. How are you up there in Connecticut? Shree, I'm like going buggy, making my list of all the things that I want to get for myself. Uh, in addition to as someone who is deeply involved in the industry, thinking about all the preparation that so many brands put into this event. The interesting thing that I reflect on, Peter, when you and I are shopping online is we're not just shopping for stuff for home. We're doing another thing. We're also noting user experience. We're actually shopping with a purpose. Yep. So is it three digits or four digits this year? Uh, it's going to be in the four range, my friend. I'm pretty sure about that. I already have my heart set on a, a home carbonation device uh, and a couple of other things. So it's going to rack it up pretty big. But I'm, I'm really excited, Shree. It's a great time of year. As I posted on LinkedIn this week, the uh, the trade show season is all but over. I think there's Commerce Week this week, and then it's pretty quiet until we get to grocery shop. So nice to be able to spend a little time. I know how important spending time with family is for you. It certainly is for me. And I'm looking forward to enjoying the rest of the summer here in New England. Hey, thanks for that, Peter. And before we get to our guest, I want to remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com on a web browser where they can find links to our podcast on all the major and minor podcast platforms. If you're not already doing so, please follow us on LinkedIn, where we publish new content each and every day of the week, even on the weekends. Yes, that's seven days a week. And thank you to our 23,000 approximate followers on LinkedIn. Without you, this podcast wouldn't exist. Thanks for shaping the show. You tell us what topics we should have, what guests we should have. And we know that at this stage, our followership is larger than even many companies that exist. So we are eternally thankful that you have actually shown up and built this show. We're also proud to be sponsors on Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women, whose mission is to advance all women in business and to promote gender equality in the workplace. As supporter-level sponsors on Next Up, we are afforded 50 members, which Peter, Brian, and I are looking to allocate to female entrepreneurs or women working at companies that are not currently partnering with Next Up. If you'd love to avail yourself of a membership in Nextux, all you have to do is drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com. Again, that is contact at cpgguys.com. The digital liner notes of this episode will contain hyperlinks to our site, our LinkedIn page, and our landing page on Nextup's site. Peter, let's start getting into the main event. I like it. Today's CPG landscape, Peter, has accelerated a decade in the last three years. Since the beginning of the pandemic, and as far as omnichannel retail is concerned, it's getting crazier by the day. A whole maturity with the digital shopper in terms of habits and how to build a path to purchase is emerging in the CPG industry. Retailers figured out that their website platform is where a lot of the consumer and shopper exchange was during the pandemic. And click and collect grew significantly. That means brands need to be there as well and drive with both discovery of innovation and purchase accretions. A reminder to the audience that we did an episode about a month ago that was around early June with NIQ, 
on this very topic of innovation, post-pandemic, post-COVID. So do check it out. And we've decided to partner with Nielsen IQ on this episode as well. And before we get started with our guest over here, what's the magic word, Peter? Let's go CPG guys. Wow, that was underwhelming. Let's go CPG guys. Thank you, Peter. I think he's trying to avoid copyright infringement, so I get it. Here to talk with us about the maturity of retail media in the CPG industry post-COVID is the head of North American retail for Nielsen IQ, none other than Jamie Clark. Jamie, welcome. How are you today? Hey, guys. Uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Jamie's ready to do this with us. We know that. I'm incredibly excited to speak with you today about a space I've spent a decade watching and sometimes incubating for several large global brands. But yet, I've been amazed at the ascent of it last three years. And I would personally tell you it's probably five years overdue. And I'm still mind boggled why the industry didn't adopt it five years ago. And it's created all kinds of chaos as a result with the marketing mix modeling these days. Before we get to the detailed questions that we have prepared for you today, it would be great if you gave us a brief overview of Nielsen IQ and Jamie, your role there. Yeah, thanks, Shri. As you mentioned, I have the pleasure at Nielsen IQ to head up the North American retail business. Uh, at Nielsen IQ, as many of you would know, we work with both retailers and CPGs to provide the full view of uh, the consumer through data and through analytics enabling the CPGs and retailers to work more closely together and drive performance, all ultimately for the benefit of the end customer. Thank you for that, Jamie. And uh, in the digital liner notes of this episode, we will place links to, of course, your LinkedIn profile, your firm's LinkedIn page, and the company site. That way, the audience listening can easily connect back with you straight from their smartphones, which is a majority of our followership anyway. And now we'll jump into the question and answer segment. Here we go. Jamie, no debate. The hottest topic in CPG and retail land and our favorite on the CPG guys with over 30 episodes, maybe closer to 50, retail media. And retail media 2023 is fast and dynamically reshaping itself by the day. What is hot off the press from NIQ's mind on retail media? Well, Shrey, it is indeed a hot topic and an often uh, discussed topic. Like you, I've had the pleasure actually to be involved with retail media now for a decade. Uh, I was involved in building the first retail media desk at Cole Supermarkets back in Australia back in 2013. So now going to my 11th year around retail media uh, through my various roles since then continues to be a hot topic. In terms of Nielsen IQ, what we're seeing is, like, first of all, I think it's important to uh, define what is retail media because, like its growth, uh, what it involves is also growing. In my view and Nielsen IQ's view, we look at it as effectively three different areas. Uh, the first is on-site, and as you alluded to, Shri, that's being the hot growth area uh, where Retailers are using the traffic from their owned and operated properties to do display media and then, importantly, sponsored product ads. Uh, the second area I would classify as social. Uh, some would call it the walled gardens, but you know that, that's starting to open up with new platforms. And the third area would be offsite, which I genuinely believe is going to be the area of greatest growth over the coming months and years. Some would argue, as you mentioned, Shri, that uh, there is a fourth area that involves MMM and MMAs and, and these broad kind of audiences and targeting and so forth. 
but I, I tend to classify it more in the first three areas that I spoke about. And Jamie, I love that uh, you have actually classified it into three areas. That's something the CPG guys may continue to use on your behalf if you let us. I really love that framework, Peter. I agree that uh, thinking about the different ways, because it's going to feed into some other things we'll talk about in terms of the marketing funnel, but I think that is a very appropriate infrastructure for how we consider retail media going forward. Happy for you guys to use it. I think it's really important to separate it that way because each of those have their own particular uh, you know, drivers for success, you know, opportunity to measure them in different ways and at different speeds. Uh, and honestly, for the retailers, they all have different economic models you know, about the amount of money that flows to the bottom line. So it's really important to, to separate into those three areas. I think at Nielsen IQ, just to extend upon that, the way we look at it is also in line with trends. Uh, that are occurring. We're seeing, well, I've personally seen some trends over the past five to six years around retail media really starting as managed services, you know, with particular players acting on behalf of the retailers with their CPG advertisers uh, to drive these programs. I've really seen the trend to in-housing of these programs, particularly, you know, we've got Walmart Connect and Kroger has been doing it for many years. So I believe this trend will continue to move forward. Uh, and I think it's really important to understand that in the context of what's on our minds at Nielsen IQ. So in the frame of, uh, of that trend of in-housing and these three buckets, what we've done at Nielsen IQ is, is really evaluated the environment that is happening between the retailer and the CPG advertiser in retail media. And what we're seeing is just a lot of fragmentation that's happening. Uh, we're seeing retail media often disconnected from core programs like merchandising, whether that be assortment decisions or price and promotion decisions, being fragmented for those decisions, but also fragmented around ownership within retailers. You know, sometimes it's the marketer that's leading the programs. Sometimes it's a specific person around a revenue office or monetization. Uh, and then sometimes, but rarely, it's the CTO or the head merchant. And what we believe is necessary in this space is to provide a platform that allows unification of those various uh, groups within the retailer to all be connected around retail media as it looks to drive sales, not only for the retailer, but also for the CPG. Thank you for that, Jamie, and welcome to the podcast. We're really happy to have you here. I want to get back to the framework that you outlined, because I think the way that we need to look at that is in terms of the marketing funnel. So what I would ask you to do is identify for each of those areas, where do they play in the funnel? I think we all traditionally think of retail media as being mid to lower funnel. People go to a site, they're searching for a product, they're already pretty much in the, in the consideration stage. Um, but retail media is evolving way beyond that. So if you could help walk us through how you think about where retail media is now and how it attacks the full funnel opportunities for brands. Yeah, Peter, I'm, I'm glad you uh, are allowing it to be broken up in those ways because I do think it's extremely important. Certainly my view is that when you're looking at the customer, it's important that you know customers are generally uh, habitual in their nature. They tend to gravitate to a certain channel and then behave that way ongoing. So when you look at it in that context, uh, then you break it up into on-site or online. So someone 
who's looking at an app or an online e-commerce page uh, and shopping that way, I truly believe that is much lower in the funnel of engagement. And that's where things like display and sponsor product ads become highly important. But it's important to note that in that space, from even from a technology point of view, that often the customer is not identified until they're a long way through the transaction. So as they're searching, uh, you may not actually know the set of eyeballs on the other side, uh, particularly in the online version. In the app version, clearly you'd know a little bit more. Uh, so what that means is that that channel tends to be more contextual and relevance driven in terms of the advertising. So I'm searching for cookies, I'll show a cookies ad. As you move then into the more the in-store shopper, now you're really looking at how do I get that customer to make a turn left, turn right decision to my store as a retailer, as you know, in a, in a primary function. And that often then is about what products I've got. Are they the relevant products uh, that you're looking for? Do I have the right products at the right price? Uh, these things become far more important. And the ability to reach that customer with relevant advertising, often probably including an incentive, so therefore converging into CRM and so forth, becomes highly important. So I think in that regard, you do get to more of a mid-funnel, lower funnel. But I truly believe it's really important to be influencing that turn left, turn right decision of the customer uh, in that channel. And I would think you'd say that to some degree, if you know who that shopper is, they're in a physical store, they have the mobile device and you can actually influence them, knowing what their purchasing behavior is, now you're moving further up the funnel where you can let them know, based upon your knowledge of who they are and what they purchased, that this product might be interesting and it's pretty close to where they are in the store. Suddenly, there is upper funnel discovery opportunities in retail media to drive consumer engagement. Oh, absolutely. I, I think particularly, you know, as soon as you get out of using some retail speak here, get out of the KVI type world, uh, and you're now looking at, you know, the broader assortment of the store. And then particularly as you get into certain trends, whether a customer might be a celiac or uh, look for a keto diet or, you know, it might be last minute shopping for a meal for that night. All of those, I think the timing of the media is highly important around the type of media you're also showing. And therefore, technology needs to be, you know, have the ability to recognize that and put multiple uh, media options in front of the customer at the right time when they're, when they're observing that. Jamie, uh, you mentioned cookies briefly over there. And before I go to the next question, in lieu of a world which is now advertising has certainly changed because of the uh, whole cookie privacy thing that's taken place over the last three odd years now. Does it mean retail media has an even more bigger prominence because the ability to hyper-target is somewhat diminished in a non-cookie world? And in, the, in this full funnel thing we just discussed over here in the previous question, you can actually go from top to bottom, which means it's taken on a much more prominent value? Absolutely. I think retail media certainly grew in performance uh, in its early days, more in the context of it being able to measure it back into the store, be able to do the full closed-loop measurement, particularly with off-site uh, media. As you say, with the evolution of the cookie and identification of the customer, uh, it's really now becoming more the, the retailer's first-party data connected with the ability to measure that's growing in importance. I would also say that uh, the ability for 
CPG is, in my view, to work more directly with the retailer has also driven a lot of this evolution towards retail media. You know, historically, there's a lot of agency involvement and so forth. And the ability for a retailer in, a, in an appropriate way to be allowing access to first-party data for the CPG uh, to directly advertise to their customers, which, you know, and often they have a big audience to advertise to, all of these things come together to make retail media, I think, the media approach that will continue to grow into the future. In that case, Jamie, the next logical question from my side is, if you're a brand, what sort of tactics do you lean on to be successful to get great campaigns, get the right, notice I say ROI versus ROAS, and do you just simply say, I'll put all my investments on search? And I notice a big smile when I use that word. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought we we're going to get into the age-old discussion of uh, what's the best metric. I'm sure we'll get into that later on in the conversation. So, you know, in my view, I think there's still some innovation to occur in retail media. Um, search is great for the online audience. It obviously grew hugely through the pandemic uh, with, in line with the growth of e-commerce. Uh, what we've seen at Nielsen IQ is a stabilization of that growth. You know, online sales continue to run uh, at around 12% of sales, particularly in the grocery space. So, yes, search is uh, important, but I think its evolution is more into giving it a, you know, a click type uh, media approach. It's how can you more dynamically include things like promotions online to drive sponsored product ad, ad performance? Uh, I know from my past experience that you know, promoted items in sponsored products tend to have a set six to seven times click-through rate than a non-promoted item. So the ability to dynamically promote in line and flow that into the bidding engines, I think is going to be a really important uh, growth in sponsored search. But then in terms of off-site and, and social, I really believe there's uh, a lot of innovation to come and, and a lot of convergence to happen between true CRM and price and promotion advertising converging with brand advertising and the product advertising. And those CPGs that can work with retailers to develop technology to have effectively always on auto-generated advertising around promoted items in a store, call it that next evolution of the circular into a true mass digital circular, I think that is really the next big innovation and something that will really change the dynamic of retail media into partly always on and partly campaign specific retail media. So, Jamie, then let's get to what you anticipated we were going to talk about, which is this concept of measurement. You mentioned how that was one of the major forces behind why retail media in a walled garden was conceptualized, that you could actually measure the the closed-loop conversion and what were the different multi-touches to the process of exposing advertising and then actually converting consumers. So my question is, as you think about all the different things you can do in retail media, what defines success? Is it a single metric? Have we moved from ROAS to IROAS? Do impressions still play a role? And if so, where in the funnel and what kinds of activities? You know, what are the things that Nielsen IQ recommends brands think about? Uh, and should every campaign be measured by the same metric? Yeah, it's a great question, Peter. 
<laughs> now, I can answer this in many different ways. So I think first, it's, there's really just a people aspect uh, to the whole measurement conversation. I think what's important to note and it's often forgotten is the age-old dynamic of the retailer having leverage with the CPG uh, in that relationship. In the context of retail media, that really flips on its head. Now, the retailer is providing a service to the CPG. And we, and we can't forget that, right? Because that is a big dynamic change in that age-old relationship. I think what also plays into this is that every campaign has an objective that's different from another campaign. And I think it's really important to note that, that, you know, for instance, a CPG that is looking to advertise its new product or its innovation in the market really might have an objective of driving awareness uh, of that product and putting an IRO as metric against that probably isn't the right metric. So I think having uh, the right metrics equated to the right type of campaign is really important. What I would also say is I do think there's a, there's a next step evolution in tying retail media measurement metrics uh, and connecting them to age-old category management metrics. So again, going back to that new product launch, you know, it's easier to look at just in isolation the retail media metrics and you know, we said that iROAS may not be the right approach to that. But then how do I look at the metrics from the retail media and tie that to things like trial and repeats and those types of metrics and have a more fulsome look at the measurement and the performance of those campaigns in that context? Uh, So I think one further thing to add to this too is that I, I truly believe in the context of retail media that there will be an evolution more and more towards self-serve in the future by CPGs uh, and any advertiser to that effect. And what that means, I think, then is having technology that enables a flexible approach to measurement. Because in my experience, even though there might be different measurement uh, metrics that are appropriate for different campaigns, I find that many CPGs have a different approach to what the right measurement is, even within those boundaries. So having technology enabling measurement to be done quickly or indeed always on with the ability to have a flexible approach in how they want to measure, uh, I think is really going to be important in the future of retail media. So Jamie, then, is it important for retailers to recognize since they are seeking investment from brands, you mentioned the dynamic shift that they afford the maximum amount of ability for a brand to measure the performance of a campaign based upon how that brand wants to measure it so that they can justify their investments against the retail media network? Yes, Peter, I I truly believe that is what is the next evolution of true retail media is it's putting the power in the hands of the customer in this regard, which is the CPG advertiser, to measure campaigns in the way they want to measure them uh, and to have speed around that measurement. As a former retailer who's built retail media programs, particularly around off-site retail media, there's really only three things that drive the revenue. There's the number of campaigns, there's the average amount of impressions per campaign, and then the CPM or the price. Uh, And there's always going to be pressure on the impression counts as more and more targeting uh, is sought. There's always going to be pressure on the CPM. You know, everyone wants a lower price. So really the way to drive overall revenue from your retail media business is actually to do more campaigns. 
So in that light, actually allowing self-serve and more dynamic measurement capabilities through technology is the fast track to actually growing the amount of campaigns that are run because often measurement is the piece that slows down uh, overall retail media businesses. So I, I truly believe as both the parties recognize that dynamic and the technology uh, is available to do these things on the fly, that is the next step in retail media. Let me remind our audience that today we are speaking with Jamie Clark, head of North America retail at Nielsen IQ. So Jamie, I'm going to go back to the word impressions just for a second. The media industry was built around the word impressions. We've spoken about it in the previous question pretty uh, deeply. You've referred to the most important metric is the one that the brand defines. Retail media today is largely used by e-commerce salespeople trying to drive lower funnel. My big takeaway listening to you, which Peter and I have been advocating in the industry is if you let the brand define and it's in the hands of the marketers, it's going to go back to impressions, especially for innovation. Is there a risk that we kind of let this, what's now really largely ROI-based, claimed as ROAS, slip back to other metrics which are completely attribution-based as opposed to full funnel? Well, I think there's always the risk that that occurs, but I think it comes back to uh, the breadth of the types of media that are being run. Uh, and in the context of today, it's largely a specific campaign around a specific objective. And you know, the, the CPG works with the retailer or their managed service provider to define that campaign, to set that campaign up, to build the creative uh, to execute through a DSP or other type of technology. I think tomorrow, as it evolves to more of a hybrid around always-on media, around price and promotion that's occurring in the market and the specific campaign uh, programs, I think that will play into it heavily around what is the right metrics to be looking at, but then also tying those to typical category management metrics, uh, as we spoke about earlier. So, Jamie, what I'd like to understand is, as I think about Nielsen IQ, when we first spoke with them here on the podcast, it was as, as you were launching Omni Chopper and Omni Sales as measurement solutions. But getting into campaign management is an evolution for Nielsen IQ as well. Can you share with our audience the ways in which Nielsen IQ has invested against capabilities to help them specifically in retail media? Where is Nielsen IQ going to deliver for brands what they need to be successful in their retail media engagements? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for asking, Peter. So uh, as you mentioned previously, Nielsen IQ had invested heavily in measurement of performance around e-commerce versus in-store and so forth, and that true omni-channel measurement. Uh, our latest investment is really around enabling retailers to work more closely with their CPG partners uh, and also in a way that unifies the relevant stakeholders within the retailer, be it the merchant, the CTO, the marketer, or the retail media owner specifically. So we've developed a technology platform that allows a retailer to put that in place uh, and have full control and allowing self-serve to CPGs to go from insights, be it category insights or customer segmentation insights, build audiences uh, against those insights, 
and then immediately build actions around retail media and indeed what could be classified as retail media going forward, uh, personalized offers or digital coupons, if you would like to call it that. So we've developed a technology uh, that can sit with the retailer for them to deploy with their teams and their CPG partners around retail media and personalized offers to quickly go from insights to action in the form of retail media and personalized offers and with full measurement capabilities embedded into the technology. Uh, We're very excited with this technology. We believe it's a game changer in the industry and a first of its kind uh, globally. And thus far, we've had a lot of excitement also from our retail and CPG partners who have seen the technology and can't wait to get their hands on it. Jamie, um, we've discussed quite a bit about the online functionality of retail media. You know, we started with search. We talked about the impression piece. But I want to hop into the store world a little bit. And so what I'm noticing is a lot of uh, retail chains, especially the smaller ones, which really don't have a thriving website where shoppers are doing a lot on click and collect or browsing or rebranding their existing in-store shopper marketing capabilities as retail media or in-store retail media. So therefore, if impressions do matter, is lobby display, end cap display, a coupon at the shelf, would all of those be retail media? And then the most important Thunderbolt question of the day, would an FSI qualify? And will it make a comeback? (laughs) It's a great question, Sri. So as we talked about earlier, I think there's different customers for different environments. In the store, you know, I, I, I worked with a great uh, retail CEO who famously would always say to us, uh, I don't want my store looking like Times Square. You know, the product is the hero and the store experience needs to be a great one for the customer. And I truly believe in that also as a retailer. So again, going back to what I said earlier, I think the true role of retail media is to influence that turn left, turn right decision uh, around which store the customer chooses to shop in. And then indeed, which products, uh, which CPG products or private label that customer chooses to buy. So that's where I think retail media starts and stops. I do agree that, uh, like we said earlier, the, the term retail media is, its definition has kind of encapsulated a lot of different tactics Uh, including digital coupons, personalized offers, and to some degree, the FSI. I think that really comes down to who is the stakeholder that is managing the program within the retailer and how much are they trying to include in that uh, in the way they're working with their CPG partners, particularly if they have expectations around spend versus the CPG's revenues through that store, uh, which often occurs. But to the question specifically of the FSI, I truly believe the days of the FSI are numbered. Uh, I think that digital coupons and personalized offers will continue to encroach on the FSI, particularly as technology evolves that allows CPGs to, again, self-serve those offers as opposed to going through middlemen or black boxes in between. And that's uh, at Nielsen IQ, the platform that I mentioned earlier that we have developed uh, that is very much intended to help drive that change from call it broadcast or syndicated offers in the form of a, a paper coupon or an FSI into targeted 
promotions that are delivered digitally to our customers. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Jamie, that the problem with the FSI has always been that it only appeals to a particular customer segment, the ones that are looking to buy down the price of the product in, in retail media, particularly as we start to leverage all of the historical purchasing behavior. We can identify shoppers that may not be uh, as price elastic as others. And ultimately, every consumer may define value in a different way. And that's why we have all this powerful data at the hands of companies like Nielsen IQ to build these propensity models and understand that while this person does need an offer, this person just needs an educational piece of content to tell them why it's a great product. And that allows us to efficiently deliver offers to consumers. That's, to me, a lot of the promise of, of retail media. I totally agree. And I think it's, uh, look, I think we all recognize too, it's just a far more efficient way to advertise if you're doing it through digital. You know, FSI is a very expensive channel. There's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of cost in built into the execution of it because of that dynamic. You know, the ability to deliver it more efficiently and manage fraud through a digital means, I think, you know, only just helps to push that move to the digital coupon more quickly than ever before. So, Jamie, let's look towards the future. Would love to hear your thoughts on what you see as being towards the top of the list of the promising engagement that retail media is going to offer to brands and the collaboration that will ensue with retailers. Where is this going? What is so exciting about this fastly expanding segment of advertising that's got everybody excited about where it's taking us? So, so at Nielsen IQ, the way we look at this is, again, going back to the different types of retail media. In on-site, as I would call it, uh, I think there's going to be continued growth there. But as you mentioned earlier, Shri, it's a lot about traffic to a site or to an app that really drives or determines the growth uh, of that channel. So I think that will slow down a little in terms of its growth uh, after the pandemic. So I think the real growth in the future around retail media is around off-site channels. Uh, and that really then is enabling campaigns that can be targeted and, and identifying and using first-party data to identify customers in all channels, whether it be social or other off-site channels, to drive uh, retail media growth. So with that, you know, the big trend that we see is uh, the convergence of what is today retail media and CRM and the convergence of those two into effectively one large program. And that means a lot more retail media being done, call it almost like in the TV type of world where you're doing upfronts and so forth, uh, allowing true advertising of price and promotion of all items that are on promotion in a store, not just the 10% that might make the circular each week. Having those programs set up at the start of the year so they're automatically delivered to the right eyeballs at the right time uh, with the right product, with the right price being shown, I believe that technology is now available and, and is something that will become a big piece of retail media going forward. And I, and I classify that as always on retail media. And then I think the complementary piece will be just the continued growth uh, around the targeting capabilities, the move to less modeled audiences and more attributable audiences in offsite campaigns that is complementary to, to always on retail media. 
And then the, the final thing I would say is just a continued trend uh, to self-serve capabilities. We saw it happen already in the on-site world, particularly around sponsored product ads, uh, where now a CPG came through a, a packed view of the world, execute and measure their own campaigns dynamically across many sites. I truly believe that the next evolution is that also happening in digital coupons uh, or personalized offers and off-site retail media, where a CPG can use a platform like we have developed at Nielsen IQ uh, to be able to manage those campaigns themselves and measure them themselves. And I, I truly believe that will be the next evolution of retail media. Jamie, before we head towards wrapping up this uh, awesome episode on retail media, if you're a brand, do you now think of retail media as a full equation of in-store and online? Or are you primarily still planning online? Uh, I think it is got to be in-store and online. So online, we've, we've discussed that a lot. That's a very mature model and measurement approach to it. I think the offsite influencing that customer decision on turn left, turn right, and which store they go and shop in and which product they're looking to purchase, flowing into the in-store environment, you know, and connecting with what might have otherwise been a separate area of shopper marketing or lobby displays or end caps. I think having that full end-to-end connection point planned out in a way that's easy to do from a technology point of view. I think that is what is going to be really important for the success of the CPG that, hey, customer, here is my item at the right price that you want. And by the way, when you walk in the store, you see it in abundance, in stock, and they can purchase that product and have a really good overall experience. Well said. Thank you. Let me remind our audience that you can find all our content by going to a web browser on cpgguys.com. And of course, you can find everything seven days a week. And if you think your company has some thought leadership to contribute to our community discussions, drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com. Again, that's contact at cpgguys.com. And maybe you can join us on the podcast like Jamie did today. Don't forget to drop us a rating at cpgguys.com on the navigation bar at the top of our website. And thank you to our close to 23K plus followers on LinkedIn. Jamie, we're thankful that you came here today to the podcast and actually discussed our favorite topic with us. So thank you for that. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Peter, we're moving on to the most important part of this whole episode, which is we need that summary from you, man. Let's hear it. Thank you for that, Shri and Jamie. Thank you for all of your feedback to our questions. It was quite illuminating. Uh, what I heard Jamie talk about is Nielsen IQ's commitment to providing brands with a full view of the consumer, uh, that their platform is designed to drive brand and retail collaboration. And retail media is clearly a hot topic in this space. Jamie has built his chops on the retail side, having launched retail media at Coles in Australia. And as we know, uh, Australia is the home of my daughter's favorite cartoon character, Bluey. That Jamie has, and Nielsen IQ looks at retail media in terms of its different offerings and capabilities. We're very familiar with OnSite, which exists through a retailer's own media platform, its app, its website, but increasingly it's social and it's also offsite. Uh, and all of those are critically important as the industry matures. Brands are starting to move from managed services to self-serve. They're bringing these capabilities in-house as they are developing the skill set 
within their own employees to actually manage those activities. The challenge that's going on is there's a lot of fragmentation that's still happening in relation to where retail media sits relative to core merchandising activities. There's no clear, consistent ownership across companies. And until that kind of happens, each company is going to take their own approach to it. But what Nielsen IQ is dedicated to doing is developing a platform that will allow the unification of all stakeholders into a, a single view. They can access all the information and they can activate against the insights. I also heard him talk a lot about the fact that, listen, consumers are very habitual in nature, right? And so retail media has to be effective at being able to influence that purchasing behavior in a meaningful way. Obviously, you can serve up ads when people are shopping online, but even when they're going in store, thinking about how retail media in a digital form can actually influence whether they turn left, whether they turn right, whether they go down this aisle or that aisle, that still has a tremendous amount of, of opportunity to really influence the path to purchase. I know that's a often used term, but it seems quite appropriate here. You know, the technology that is developing around retail media really needs to recognize individual shopper behavior to serve up the right relevant content. Notice how I didn't use the word offer, because offer is predicated upon the propensity model that's associated with that individual shopper. We have to recognize that what motivates one in terms of value might be fundamentally different than what motivates another. And where retail media needs to be doing is innovating to the core capabilities that go beyond just search. Search is the 800-pound gorilla. It's been developed. There's more that's going... I fundamentally believe that AI is going to change how we go about doing search. Uh, but that's where most of the business is. I think there's a lot that needs to take place. What I did hear Jamie talk about that I think is very important is we need to stop thinking about retail media as an isolation of a form of advertising. Right. There's got to be some convergence across all of the advertising that they do so that they can make holistic decisions about how they're engaging with consumers at various touch points. Um, the other thing that's very interesting, and I know we talk about this all the time on the podcast, is we say to brands, you have to fundamentally recognize that the dynamic has shifted. You're used to selling to a retailer product. They are now trying to sell you advertising. That means that you have the ability and, frankly, the responsibility to understand what they're asking for and ensure that your organization is getting what it needs out of it. So to me, that means you want this. Here's something that I need. It's not just a transaction. It is about a long-term relationship. And I think that Nielsen IQ wants to be set up in terms of how it delivers insights to brands and retailers that they're able to do exactly that. Um, the dynamic measurement is critically important to expand campaign execution. Why? Because the faster and the more dynamic I can get my measurement, the quicker I can move on to execute the next campaign. I can't be executing a campaign waiting six weeks to get the results before I decide on my next flight of campaigns. It has to be ongoing. This is always on concept. You know, that unifying relevant stakeholders around the tech platform for self-service activation measurement of advertising. Again, heard that loud and clear. I think that's a, a laudable goal that Nielsen IQ is trying to execute against. Um, the FSI's days are numbers. Could not agree 
more. Long has gone the day of when a brand manager spent a little time on everything other than the FSI, just banked most of their growth on the four FSIs that they anchored their business on every year and waited for their 18 months before they moved off their rotation to their next brand. Um, They have to be a lot more creative. They have to be a lot more dynamic. And retail media is something that every brand manager should understand. It is seeping into the lexicon of brand managers. Um, There's still a lot of growth opportunity in retail media, particularly in off-site. And I heard also very clearly there is going to be convergence. And I hear this from a lot of retailers, too. The convergence between loyalty and retail media, the convergence of retail media and CRM, right? That is going to be, I mean, in all honesty, without that loyalty data and the understanding longitudinally of how shoppers are behaving, you don't really have a meaningful retail media network. You need that data to drive the targeting mechanism, which I also heard you talk about. And lastly, um, all of this promises for better ways to target audiences, that you're not creating models, that you really are reaching towards that one-to-one relationship. And that's going to be much more powerful in terms of driving efficient advertising. So that's my thoughts, Sri. Well done, Peter. Thank you so much. Very comprehensive, if I may say so myself. folks. That's a wrap for this episode of the CPG Guys. Thank you for joining us. Retail media, of course, as you know, is one of the hottest topics we cover here on the CPG Guys. Much more to come. Jamie and Peter, thank you for joining me. Guys, soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.